guest uh, for, I think we have some first time uh, visitors. We have a welcome team that's going to be giving you um, a coffee mug, I think, and some gifts. Right? I is Riza here? There we go. Yeah, in the wheel. All right. Uh, I entitled our message, How to Pray. This is still, we are still in our mini-series in our prayer series entitled, We've Got to Pray. We're tackling very slowly Matthew 6, chapter 9, verse 13. And that reads, this is how you should pray. Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from the evil one. Verse 13 is what we're going to be tackling this evening. This is a recap for those of you who have been with us all these, these weeks. For those of you who have missed, um, the first verse, first verse is about worship. That's verse, uh, the portion A when we said, Our Father in heaven. And then the reverence part, hallowed be your name. And then on verse 10 is about desire for God's kingdom and his will. And then 5 and 6 was about petition and the personal and spiritual, uh, spiritual needs. And tonight will be protection from temptation. We are learning how to pray as Jesus himself have told us how to pray. I entitled our message tonight, Break Glass in Case of Emergency. Break Glass in Case of Emergency. I love seeing this. The first time I read this phrase was, uh, it was on that cover where the hose, the water hose is, right? And I was in the Philippines and I really thought to myself, how cool is that? You know, when there is a fire, somebody can come here, break this glass, and then prevent all of us from dying because it was a big school and I was always afraid of of fire and much more burning in, to death but see the fire marshal especially here in the states the fire marshal if you are to build a building or if you are to have a house they have made certain guidelines for every facility to have either smoke detectors and the fire extinguishers and um, uh, what, what do you call this one? Fire sprinklers, right? Yeah. We don't have this in the Philippines. We don't even have water. <laughs> Much more have these sprinklers. But, you know, it's, it's the thought that counts. That's what they say, the fire department in the Philippines. The, <laughs> they'll go there, but then they won't have water to turn off the thing. But these certain precautions and guidelines have been given to us to protect us. And it's the same. I, I feel like it's the same thing how I appreciate Jesus saying in, in how he taught us how to pray. That there is that part, the last part where he says that we ask for protection from the evil one. You know, there was a fire back in uh, with the Cornejos. When we were with the Cornejos many years ago. Uh, if you know them, they have three, uh, three kids, right? They have three kids. Before Lucas came out, Mateo was still in a crib. 
we were there for lunch. And um, all of a sudden, me and Jeff were talking, and the smoke detector, or yeah, the smoke alarm was just going off, blaring. But you know, for us Filipinos, we just think that's like, oh, this annoying thing. Because it goes off when you're frying things, right? When you're frying and they're like, ah, oh, we take it off, so it'll stop. But this time, we just kept going. So Jeff blazed through the living room into his bedroom and then comes back out, goes out to his apartment. He breaks the glass where the, the fire extinguisher was. And I'm just shocked, like, how fast he was moving. I'm like, wow, this guy, old guy moving so fast. <laughs> but then he goes, there was a fire in the bedroom. There was a fire in the bedroom. He lit up the, the uh, scented candle and then that, um, you know, that thing in the match, he didn't realize that it flew off and it hit the mattress and it slowly burned the mattress in the crib. But see, without, without the, the, the smoke detector and without the fire extinguisher, that apartment building would have been burned down that moment. But because of those things in place, everything was protected, even the children and the neighbors who were probably also having their lunch. You have nothing to do with the whole thing. But see, God knew from the very beginning that even us Christians, even after accepting Him as our Lord, even with our best intention in our hearts, we will still fail and fall. That's why He said, when he taught us how to pray, that last part he said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what we're going to be discussing tonight. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for the Lord's Supper, the songs, and this building. We now again thank you, Father God, that you will be speaking to us through your message that you have for us. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be the one to open the minds of your listeners and to prepare their hearts, Lord God. Make room in their hearts for your truth that you will be delivering tonight. I pray for your anointing, Father God, but at the same time, we ask for your blessing, blessing of your message and your truth for us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So for, for most of us, we know what temptation is, right? What is temptation? Um... In the Bible, the word temptation primarily, primarily denotes a trial in which man has a free choice of being faithful or unfaithful to God. Only secondarily does it signify allurement or seduction to sin. Temptation in the biblical sense is a situation in which one experiences a challenge to choose between fidelity and infidelity to one's obligation toward God. So temptation is that. Now, is temptation a sin? And does God tempt us? Because remember, the verse says, deliver us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Is God really delivering us to temptation? And then when tempted, did we sin? Uh, let's look at James. James 1, 13 to 15. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So it's clear, God's not tempting us. So the answer is no. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed 
Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. So if God doesn't tempt us, why did the prayer say, lead us not into temptation? Now I believe, and just as the other commentators that I've been reading about this, and then some pastors that I've listened to about this message, I, I agree with them that the Lord is not saying that He is leading us into temptation, but rather Jesus meant here, Lord, let me listen to your voice and lead me in a way so that I won't head towards temptation because I have that natural tendency to do just that. Now this, with an illustration, hopefully it makes sense. In Max Lucado, he writes in his book, The Great House of God, and I quote, Imagine a father and son walking down an icy street. The father cautions the boy to be careful, but the boy is too excited to slow down. He hits the first patch of ice, up go the feet, and down plops the bottom. Dad comes along and helps him to his feet. The boy apologizes for disregarding the warning and then tightly holding his father's big hand and he asks, keep me from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall again, unquote. Because our father, our father in heaven, this is what the psalmist says, the steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will not fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. So when we're praying, after we've done all of those things, we recognize who He is, where He is, that He is holy, and then we, we, we ask Him to make us useful for His kingdom, that His kingdom and His will be done here on earth right now, and then we say, Lord, help me with my spiritual needs. I am weak, Father, help me. Help me with my, my daily bread, provide for us. And then we say, Lord, help me not fall. Because the world is out there to get us. Amen? God doesn't tempt us. You know, that's in Psalm. God doesn't tempt us, but He, he, tests, us, he tests us. That's what He does. In Genesis 1.27, it reads, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared. For those of you who know it, the promise of God was that Abraham will have a son. The test now here is the waiting. The waiting. You know, Abraham at this time when the promise was made to him that he will have a son... He was 75 years old. And does everybody know when Isaac really came out, how old Abraham was? Man, he was 100 years old, so 25 years. That's a long time waiting, right? I will probably won't even do it. And you know what? They didn't. In Genesis 15, 2-3, they failed the test. They failed the test of God. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue, continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. 
And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and each member of my household will be my heir, and, and Eleazar will be the household, uh, will be, member of my household will be my heir. Now, the enemy made God's test the temptation. Because the enemy tempts, he tempts us. He makes us doubt God. He makes us doubt God's goodness. He makes us God, uh, doubt God's timing. He makes us doubt God's intention. So what did they do? When we fall and we fail the test of God, we, and then we fall into the temptation of the enemy, Sarai and Hagar, remember this one in Genesis 16, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar, and Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. This is the other thing. And the husband was very obedient to his wife. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. There's no, no objection. Nothing. You would think Abram would say, are you crazy? Are you sure you want me to have sex with our servant? Oh, no, but he complied willingly. He didn't have to twist. She didn't have to twist his arm. He complied. So he failed. He committed adultery. Right? Because they could not wait. But see, at the same time, 25 years, long time. Long time. I mean, does God answer his prayers right away? He can if he wants to. Right? 25 years of waiting for a promised child. Now, the Bible, the test was to wait on God, right? That was the test. Because if God said it, it, it's true. God is as good as his word. Whatever God said happens. How did he create the world? Just by speaking. Let there be light, and there was light. So when God promised... Abram, that he was going to have a child. The test was on the waiting. The temptation was on the doubting. Is God, is God going to answer? Now, because of that fall, there was many, many problems. You know, in Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it always tells us, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will keep your paths straight. It's difficult to trust God. In this world, it's difficult to trust God. Why? Why do I say that? Because everything in this world is going against what God tells us. We are outnumbered. We, believers of Jesus Christ, are outnumbered. Everybody tells us there are more than two genders out there. Everybody tells us that abortion is not murder, that it's health care. Everybody tells us all these controversial things that when we oppose it, we're bigots. We're closed-minded. That's why it's so difficult to trust God when it comes, to, if you want to quantify your trusting with how many people believe a certain thing. 
And then if, if there's a, a thousand people versus you, you're probably going to say, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. It's because, see, the temptation is, why wait? That's the temptation. That's what Satan plugged in there. Why wait? Have him sleep with Hagar. Let's make sure that the servant Eleazar gets everything, doesn't get everything we worked for. Don't let that complete stranger get it. Greediness comes, right? Has to be somebody from me. Let's do it on our own. Let's stop waiting on God. Let's do it on our own. Let's stop praying. We've been praying for 10 years. I've been praying for 20 years, and this is not happening. This is not changing. My husband or my wife isn't changing. It's time to get a divorce. I have a better idea. That's a temptation. And then the favorite one in Genesis 3.1, did God really say? Did God really say there's two genders? Did God really say you need to be married to have sex with, with, with your loved one? Did God really say you need to stay in your marriage even though you're having a difficult time? Did God really say? That's what the world is saying. Did your God really say? That's the throw out there. Did God really say you need to keep pure, keep sex within marriage? Did God really say that? Because everybody else is doing it. This should be, it should be okay now. Now, the sin that Abram and Sarai committed caused major heartaches for both Abraham and Sarah and all their descendants down to the generations to generations. Ishmael and, and Isaac, up to this day, the trouble has come. The Muslims are Ishmaelites, came from the Ishmaelites uh, uh, tribe or line. And then Isaac with the Judaism and the Christianity. Trouble has con continuously been happening between those two things because somebody did not trust God. And the same thing you could say in your family. Someone will make a major decision that is against God's will and everybody down to generation to generation is suffering from your grandfather's grandfather's decision. Now, Going back to our topic, which is prayer. Prayer for help versus the evil one. Matthew 6.13, again, don't bring us, this is the other translation, don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, the evil one here, I, I like this version because it was really recognized to a point that they capitalized it. Evil one. Remember, Satan's greatest trick is to make people think that he doesn't exist, right? It's 2022, Joe. Do you seriously think there's a devil? I'd say so. Come on, it's just a costume on Halloween, right? You're thinking that. We're thinking that. Everybody's saying that. But there is really a spiritual battle, and we have an enemy, so this should really bring important keys and, and factors for your prayer life. That before you even step out of your house, tomorrow or the next and the next day, you should be in prayer because you have an enemy. If you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, you, Satan is your enemy. If you don't belong to Jesus Christ, Satan is your friend. Jesus is your enemy. 
So, remember the full armor of God when we tackled it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 to 13. Put on, the, put, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand safe against all strategies and, and tricks of Satan. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world. This is from the Bible, the Word of God, right? Those mighty, mighty satanic beings and great evil princesses of, of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. So use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy whenever he, he attacks. And when it is all over, you will be standing up. Now the Lord didn't hide it from us. About the truth, about the evil forces that is battling the things that we don't see. Church, I think we underestimate this. This truth right here, we overestimate it because we're comfortable. We go to our work five days a week. We get our paycheck every week. We put it in the bank. Our life is comfortable. We never go hungry in this country. Matter of fact, we need to go on a diet, right? Because we eat too much, right? We don't rely so much on God here, for all going to be honest, because money is easy, life is good. And then we think, oh, everything. There's, there's no such thing as, evil, as the evil one and evil forces. So the Bible's wrong. Did God really say? Yes, he did. This is the only way I can explain evil things, evil things that will happen that you hear on the news. Some of you, you, you love watching them on your Netflix documentaries, especially women. You guys like those murder documentaries, those podcasts that you listen to that scares the life out of you you know, my wife loves it. My, my wife listens to it all the time. And then and she thinks I'm always sneaking up on her, trying to scare her, but it's just really, she's scaring herself. Because I'm walking in, she's like, oh my gosh. I'm like, what did I do? She goes, you really want to kill me, don't you? You really want to scare me to death. But it's because she loves listening to these things. You know, but it's, it's so evil. The only way you can explain those evil things is that Satan and his demons take control of these people and they do those evil things. Imagine a parent, there was a parent that put her baby in a microwave and turned it on because the baby won't stop crying. I know. We were so concerned about COVID, how many people were dying on COVID, but we don't, we don't what? We don't flinch about how, how many babies were killed through abortion. We don't even... It's a debate. It's a debatable thing. Only because the, the, the spiritual forces, the ones that are controlling all these things, they're very rich, very powerful, that are really truly influencing the thinking, the minds of the world. Let's look at James 1, 13 to 15. And remember, when someone wants to do wrong, it is never God who is tempting him. For God never wants to do wrong and never tempts anyone to do it. Temptation is the pull of man's own evil thoughts and wishes. 
These evil thoughts lead to evil actions and afterwards to the death penalty from God. You know, Bong was, Bong when he was growing up, he grew up, their house had a, a pond in front of, of their house. And he told his mom, Mom, can I swim in the, in the pond? And the mom was like, it's quite chilly, Bong. Don't, you can't, you know, Bong was about 12. Don't swim, okay? I need you to just be warm. It's, it's winter time. Don't swim in the pond. And after an hour, she sees Bong coming in with, you know, wet hair and wet clothes. And then the mom goes, Bong, didn't I tell you not to swim in the pond? And Bong goes, yeah, but it was, it was tempting me. It was tempting you? Yeah, it looks so good, mom. The pond looks so good. And then the mom goes, but why are you wearing your swim clothes, swimming clothes, just in case I gave in to my temptation? <laughs> if you already have, if you're already tempted with, with, if your weakness is gambling, and then you love to walk around the casino, and then you end up gambling your entire paycheck, the grocery, the bills, the Thanksgiving dinner, you just blew it. And then you go home to your wife and you say, ah, the casino was tempting. What do you mean? Because, well, you know, I was, I was coming back from work. I drove through Kitski. I saw Atlantis and I left, turned left. It was calling me. Come on. If you already know that that's your weakness, what are you doing there? We are not to pray in front of the temptation. We're told to flee from it. We're told to flee from it. Remember Joseph? Joseph the dreamer, when he was being tempted by the wife, right? He fled. He didn't stay there and pray to God, Lord, God of Abraham and Jacob, help me in front. You know, no, he, he ran. He ran away. The praying is before the temptation. And God will tell us, tell, tell all of us. I don't, what, I don't know what everybody's struggle is here. But we're already told, God already tell, is making it clear to us. If it's, if it's something that you always watch on your cell phone, maybe you need to take your cell phone away. Stop visiting that website or that social media that's making you fall. You know, the men who trap animals in Africa for zoos here, zoos, the zoos here in America, say that one of the hardest animals to catch is the ring-tailed monkey. For the Zulus of that continent, it's simple for them. They've been catching this agile little animal with ease for years. The method of the Zulus use its, they use this, um, this trick. Their trap is nothing more than a melon growing on a vine. The seeds of this melon are favorite. It's a favorite of the monkey. So they know this. So they cut a small hole in the melon, just as large enough as the monkey to insert his hand and reach for the seeds inside. The monkey will stick his hand in and grab as many seeds as he can, and then he starts to withdraw. But then he can't do it. This he cannot do. 
His fist is now larger than the hole. The monkey will pull and tug, screech and fight the melon for hours. But he can't get free of the trap unless he gives up the seeds. But he refuses to do it. He refuses to do it. Meanwhile, the Zulus sneak up and nab him. What are the melons that you need to let go of? Your pet sin can kill you. Your pet sin is something that you really want, only you truly desire. The moment you let go of it, the sooner you can be free. Now here are the nine sins that um, a Christian magazine uh, did a survey back in the 90s. And these are the sins that they, they said that Christians were struggling with. Number one is materialism. Second is pride. Self-centeredness, laziness. Number five, there's a tie, anger and bitterness. They couldn't get along. You know? <laughs> the tie is sexual lust. Uh, there's a tie with number five, it tied with bitterness. And then envy, gluttony, and then lying. And I think they were lying about that, so they should be on the number one. <laughs> but who knows? So this survey was done by a Christian magazine, and um, there, this was an 81%. And, and sometimes they said that they end up giving in to these temptations when they, are, when they have neglected their time with God. That's 81% of them. When they don't spend time with the Lord and they fall into these things. 57% of them fall into these things when they are physically tired. Resisting temptation was accomplished 84% of the time through prayer. And then 76% of the time when they avoid compromising situations. And then 66% of the time when they would go and join a Bible study, they would avoid these sins. And then 52% of the time they will be able to avoid these sins if they were accountable to another brother or sister. Now, sin is like the fire that burns and kills and destroys. The fire marshal is God. And God made instructions, the guidelines, the safety guidelines to prevent fire from happening. When, it, when fire happens, the, waters go, the water will, will kill it. The commands of God is the, are the guidelines for us. The precautionary things that, been, that has been placed to protect us from sin are the smoke detectors. The Holy Spirit tells us. It gives us that alarming sound. That's the Holy Spirit in you. That's your conviction. The fire extinguisher to put out the fire. That's Jesus. That's Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus was burned by our sin. But because of Jesus, we don't have to spend a single moment in hell. 
because he already killed the fire for us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, remember this, the wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many, many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. And no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't st stand up against it. For He promised this and will do what He says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. Now we can supplement our accountability to others by reading through literature designed to challenge our Christian maturity. Books, preachings, Bible studies. Now here are some questions that I need to read carefully. This is from Kent Hughes. And this is from his book, Liberating Ministry from the Success Syndrome. First question, are we being desensitized by the present evil world? The answer is yes, right? We are. It's so challenging. It's, it's not there. It's so challenging for us to watch a movie with my children, me and my wife, to watch a movie with our children without stumbling into a scene that we don't want to be watching with them, especially. But that's the world's way of desensitizing us. It's normalizing it. Do things that once shocked us now pass us by with little notice? Have our sexual ethics been slackened? Eh, it's okay. It's just a one-night thing. Where do our minds wander when we, are, when we have no duties to perform? Sometimes when we're, not, when we're not busy, when we're relaxed or tired, that's when our minds wander to sin. What are we reading? Are there books or magazines or files in our libraries that we want no one else to see? Are there websites in your phone that you don't want anybody else to see? What are you streaming on Netflix or online? How many hours do you spend watching TV? How many adulteries did you watch last week? How many murders? How many did we watch these things with our children? Now, last question. How many chapters of the Bible did you read last week? Folks, we're talking about prayer and we're asking God to protect us from the evil one. God always answers that prayer. The most dangerous thing, though, is he leaves it up to us if we're going to obey him, if we're going to take the exit that he provides. You don't have to go to the casino. Right here, turn left. That's where your house is. You don't have to make that call. Your wife loves you. Go home. 
you can continue to be in this marriage because God will restore it for you if you just trust me. If you will just trust him. There's so many things that he leaves it up to us because we have that free will to obey him or not. But in our prayer, we have to be completely honest when we say, Lord, protect me from falling into sin. Now, I have this acne problem, if you haven't noticed. <laughs> and uh, this has to do a lot with my love affair with chocolate. <laughs> now, I find it that it's never a winning thing when I'm holding the Hershey's bar and I'm looking at it and all of a sudden I'm talking to it like, oh, come on, stop. But I'm holding it. It's like it has a mind of its own, like, stop it. Don't. <laughs> it's mindless, but sometimes it wins. Why? Because I brought myself there. Why did I even buy it in the first place? And then I eat it. <laughs> I eat them, I should say. And then pimples the next day. <laughs> we will never win against the temptation if we will surround ourselves with it. If we will bring ourselves to it. We are to get rid of it. We are to remove ourselves from it. And then we are to say, Lord, help me not fall into temptation. Amen? Amen. And folks, that is our message. Thank you very much for your patience. As the music team make their way up here. Um, if you haven't accepted Christ before and you want to accept him, you want to be rescued from the fires of hell, it is only God, it is only Jesus, the sacrifice that he made on the cross, it is only him and through him that you will be rescued from that fire. If you want to receive that free gift from him, come up and, and we can lead you into to that prayer and you will be free from the fires of hell. If you have been visiting us for quite some time and the Lord has impressed it in your heart that you want to be part of this church, please come up so we can recognize you. Or if you just need prayer, please come up so we can pray for you. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We ask, Lord God, that we, with our weakness, with our slant to always fall into our desires, we ask, Father, that you pull us out and keep us away from the things that will make us fall away from you and sin against you. Help us, Father, to have the discernment and the willingness and the wisdom to do the right thing, to not sin, not sin. Only you, Father, can give us that strength. Only by supernatural power that you can provide can be able to avoid those things and be able to please you, Father. I pray for... All your people that are here this evening, I pray for blessings for them. I pray that you protect them from the evil one, Lord God. Protect broken marriages, Lord God. Restore them. Protect marriages, Father God, from being broken. I pray, Father God, for those who are sick. I pray for health for them. And I pray for those who have fallen, Lord God. I pray that you give them the encouragement to get up and, and for them to remember your grace and your mercy for them. And I pray, Father, for the, everybody and for our protection as we drive home. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing song.